0: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Surviving Empathy Podcast. I am your host, Brian Russell of Chef Bright Comedy. You should come on over to my Instagram or my Twitter or my Facebook at Chef Bright Comedy or Surviving Empathy Podcast on Instagram. Today, ladies and gentlemen, this episode is the one you've all been waiting for. Relationship advice from old married couple. Yeah? Huh? Huh? Crickets? What? No, but, uh... Once upon a time, we were young, we were hip, we were happening, and we were single. And we uh, watched the movie Singles last night, the 1992 grunge hit uh, by Cameron Crowe, and uh, it got us thinking a lot about being single, being in relationships, and all the different things we went through as younger people. Oh my God, it was crazy. But it really makes us appreciate that we're married now, and and, uh, all the things we've been through to arrive here at a place of comfort and love, it took a lot to get here, but I want to share my advice with you as a married couple of all the things we've been through that finally really solidified how to get into a relationship and make it work with the permanent state of love, trust, and companionship at the end of the day love is messy y'all and love will make you crazy and so we want to give you some of our relationship advice coming from people who've been there and done that that's what this episode is all about so buckle up strap in grab a drink get settled in and have a good time and let's begin Welcome back to another episode of Surviving Empathy Podcast. I am your host, Brian Russell of Chef Bride Comedy. And today, ladies and gentlemen, I've got my beautiful wife and co-host, Rebecca Russell. Please say hello to the folks. Hello. So, you guys, uh, today I want to talk about relationships. Normally, when I write it, relationships in the titles... It gets a lot of views because they're like oh oh people need relationship advice. They're like, "Oh, oh." And then they find out I'm not talking about those kinds of relationships. Well, today, <laughs> guess what? We're talking about those kinds of relationships. That's right. Whether you're gay or straight, we are talking about dating, folks. We are talking about life, dating, fucking one-night stands, all of it, baby. That's what we're talking about. What do you think of that? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, uh, we watched the movie last night. Singles, the movie from 1992, directed by Cameron Crowe of Almost Famous. He's a pretty hip dude, and uh, he he made this movie back in the height of the grunge era, which is our heart of hearts. I graduated high school in '92. Fuck, I'm old. Uh, I-, I graduated '91. I'm a I'm dating my cougar. (laughs) I'm I'm married (laughs) to my cougar. My cougar cub. No, but um, at the end of the day, I mean, yeah, uh, we were watching this movie because we wanted, you know, we wanted to stroll down memory lane of what it was like during the grunge era. And it was, you know, because the grunge era got played out towards the end. By 96, 97, it was getting a little old. Not the music per se, but just everybody trying to capitalize on the magic and the spark that was the Seattle scene in the early 90s. And uh, this movie came out right then, right, you know, I think maybe five or six months before uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit hit the airwaves in 1991, creating this sensation of grunge music and grunge fashion and grunge emo attitudes. And a lot of the bands that it uh, sort of helped shape, like Stone Temple Pilots and the Smashing Pumpkins, Uh, But the grunge scene itself, you know, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, Mudhoney, Mother Love Bone, Green River, you name it, it was all a part of that Seattle sound that really sort of shook up the airwaves when really it was a time when glam rock was getting old and tired. Remember that? Yeah, I do. I remember music went from, you know, up all night, sleep all day, that's right, (laughs) to... Something a little more edgy and real and talk about real feelings, talking about depression, talking about anxiety. And so what we wanted to do is talk about relationships, not just in the 90s, but in real life. We want to talk about real life. So we were watching this movie. Uh, Do you want to just sort of set up the plot a little bit?
1: It's just basically follows a group of friends and the uh, the perils of dating in your early 20s. Yeah, in and, Seattle.
0: Well, I've only seen the movie one time before, and I admit, I'm not a big fan of romantic comedies. Now, if it's got zombies and a rom-com zombie, I'm good. But And it's not because I am have anything against love. I love love. You know that. But sometimes um, romantic comedies come off fake to me, and if I yeah. can't relate, then it doesn't feel real. And if it doesn't feel real, then doesn't really matter what circumstances they get themselves into because it doesn't feel like it really happened yeah it feels scripted-hmm but there's been a handful of movies like uh, as good as it gets I thought that one came off very real uh, and this one this one comes off very real to me as well and there's a handful that have just become priceless little gems in our history of uh, how to do a romantic comedy right and uh, and it got to think it got to make us think about How thankful we are to be married, where we can kind of let our freak flag fly, we can kind of, you know, let out our uh, belt a little bit, let the old gut hang over, (laughs) figuratively speaking, Mm -hmm. and uh, it just made me thank goodness that we are no longer living in our teens and 20s and early 30s, because, ah, my God, people think it sucks getting older. It does, but in different ways, but at least now... We don't have to deal with that constant um, hardship that is trying to be liked, trying to be loved in relationships. And so I want to talk about that because I think there's a lot of you guys who are still going through stuff that we went through, that we've been through, and now we have come out the other side uh, to have a little bit of wisdom on the subject. And so we will talk all about sex. We will talk all about relationships and one night stands and getting drunk. We will talk about the right ones, the wrong ones, and how and no. How, how do you find the right mate? How do you know when it's right? You know, the beginning of uh, the movie, uh, Kara Sedgwick's character, I can't remember the character's name, but... I think th- it was Linda. Linda? Okay. Yeah. So Linda starts, the movie starts off with the gal named Linda, which is Kara Sedgwick, Kevin Bacon's, you know, wife. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cute, cute woman. Cute girl. You know, she kind of reminds me, she's got a kind of a Julia Roberts thing going a little bit for me. But quirkier... Yeah. She's like a quirky Julia Roberts, but blonde. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But she's real real pretty, really nice. And um, and, and the, that's the one thing I noticed about the movie is, ha, huh, I noticed the main characters are always the most stable with a college degree and a good job. <laughs> and what does that tell you? It tells you that relationships require stability. Uh, you ain't catching fish when your worm sucks. That's just you know you gotta lure those women and men you guys you gotta lure with something um but i just found that a little unrealistic i'll just say that you know it's just like the whole premise it it just kind of took the um sitcom approach where we it's established that everybody has money and a place to live okay done check check okay Mm -hmm. now we're moving on to relationship now yeah, there was a little more to it than that, but, but uh, you want to set up the different relationships and the dynamics of those characters for us, please, and then we're going to start using that as an example uh, of how to uh, get through relationships in your real life.
1: Yeah, well, that's it. like he said. It starts with her, and they show her being burned by someone who she has a connection with at the beginning.
0: Yeah, so she meets this guy, and he's from Spain, or so he she says thinks. He's
1: from Spain. Yeah, yeah,
0: and she, she gets real close to him, and she falls madly in love for this guy. And then one night, he, he says, "I'm gonna, I'm, 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 I got to go back to Spain. My visa's running out." And so, you know, she sends him off on his way, and then. A night, couple nights later, a week later, whatever it is, uh, she sees him in the bar, and he. Lo- mm-hmm. She looks over and, oh, her world is crushed. Yep. And he looks over he and that nonchalant yeah. smirk. I uh-huh. wanted to punch his face off. <laughs> oh my god! And uh, she doesn't even confront him. She's so crushed. She goes outside. She's ill, and that's where the movie starts. And then, and then she ends up meeting this guy already burnt to a crisp by this former dude. And uh, mm-hmm. she gives him his gra- gra- the garage door opener as kind of a, a a symbol of you're always welcome to come into my house and into She'd my life.
1: She's giving it to the other guy. To the other guy. Yeah.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. And so when uh, there's any time there's a garage door scene, it's a trigger. It triggers her. <laughs> Former traumas, right. Yeah. Do you want to kind of talk real quick about the other dynamics of the other characters?
1: Yeah. There's, um, I believe her name is Debbie. She's the one they kind of call the man-eater. She's always on a quest to meet someone and kind of goes through So she's the one
0: that's always going through the services and all Mm -hmm. that. Always trying to show herself as this young, urban, professional go getter.
1: Yep. Exactly. I can't remember the other characters' names. I'll just use their- I know. But um, the the Bridget Fonda character, she's this- cute little quirky little girl working in a coffee shop and she's dating this she's dating the grunge musician guy who straight up tells her
0: i'm seeing other people but she's just so
1: in love with him and she just she let let her infatuation carry
0: over yeah and then she wants to get a boob job for him because she feels like he would like her more if she had bigger breasts and then and then and then yeah yeah eventually she gets to the point where she's like no I'm going to make him accept me as I am. And then Mm -hmm. she flips the script where she's sort of... The one. She breaks up with him and then carries on like he doesn't matter anymore. And then he starts liking her for real. Mm -hmm. Because she starts what? Having self-respect for herself. Yeah. And I love the the fact that all these relationships kind of... Because the main character, the boyfriend of Kara Sedgwick, the one that she ends up meeting in the movie... Is the neighbor to uh, uh, all the other characters? All the other characters—they're all, They're all yeah, in the same television. apartment. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was cute mm-hmm. how that was done, and then and the
1: quirky friend, his friend, the little kind of beatnik guy that he had this watch he could put twenty phone, 20 numbers, phone numbers in. It.
0: He's like, <laughs> "Why?" So he's twenty women that you'll never, never call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was cute. It was a cute mm-hmm. romantic comedy done yeah. right, mm-hmm. and um, and I like that, and uh, it felt real to me. Uh, didn't feel overly dated because it still. People back then in the '90s were very much like we are now, socially conscious, uh, conscious about recycling, saving the planet, saving the the ocean life. Uh, it, it felt very, you know, talking about super trains, which still to this day, to this day, <laughs> we still haven't made more progress on it. it really makes you later. realize just how thwarted our our democracy really is. And I'll yeah. just have a cry after this, and we'll be we'll be good. Yeah. But the point is, is that. Um, You know, this movie is about heartache. This movie is about one night stands. This movie is about satisfying your partner. And, uh, you know, just give me your feedback on what the movie means to you. Well, when it came out, I was 19
1: and I was a very late bloomer. So at that point, I had never gone on a date, had never had a relationship, had never kissed anyone. Right. So it was all just like young, naive. Definitely. So Young girl. It, was, it was
0: very it was pretty, those... by the way. You were—I don't think you realize how fucking pretty you were back then.
1: Thanks. No, I did not. No, no definitely did not.
0: And those are the keepers, man—the the the beautiful ones that don't know they're beautiful. Oh, but but you want a little self-esteem, and you would eventually develop that.
1: Yeah, definitely. So so it was just kind of a—it was one of those like it just made me yearn for romance and yearn for something. And, yeah. And at that point, I was. I I never really got into grunge when grunge was big, so right. I oh, was, I did. Boy. <laughs> so you were know, the opposite at the time. Like I was watching it for the the romance of it, and the music was an afterthought. And when you watched it at that age, it was the opposite. You were looking at the bands and
0: yeah. So it's, I was thinking, oh, that's in Change. Right? Oh, that's exactly. Chris Cornell. Yeah. Oh, that's Eddie Vedder. And better. I saw that movie, <laughs> and
1: at that point, the only one I knew was any better so. right right <laughs> <laughs> and and i watched it a million times like i could tell you everything that happened um and now you've
0: been to a bunch of chris cornell shows and you've seen yeah. so now I'm,
1: it was fun re-watching it because you can see it for the relationship stuff but now i'm appreciating it for the music because now i love that music
0: exactly
1: yeah and not to say, I actually did love the music in it because I bought the soundtrack, but it never yeah. led me to look further into those bands at that time. Oh, it not did me. i not sure why. I, I
0: bought all their albums, even Paul Westerberg. Yeah. And uh, I like the Paul Westerberg stuff because uh, he was the music guy for the movie, yeah. but he also contributed a few songs, mm-hmm. and he's a private artist, but uh, yeah. his music is very sort of like... Uh, coffee house meets he did
1: the dyslexic heart song
0: yeah for for the movie and i was gonna say the music is playful Mm -hmm. let's just say playful folk rock Mm -hmm. and i loved it and um and all that music really meant a lot to me you got that song the seasons roll on by and i'm left behind (laughs) love it good stuff. And Chris Cornell is my fucking idol, yeah. you know.
1: Wood by Alice and and in Chains. Wood. Like, I was oh, obsessed with beautiful that. Beautiful music because of that. Oh yeah. Movie.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. So and when I, they
1: played it at the concert, oh my gosh, almost
0: died. Oh yeah. Ding 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 sorry you guys, we're going down nostalgic paths. and it just reminds me of the old days. Well, and then I went into the army and you know, not much changed. I cut my hair my dress was the same. I When I got off work in the Army, I was wearing combat boots. I got to keep them on because it was the grunge scene. Yeah. I mean, they, you would never see that now. Mm-hmm. But in those days, black combat boots, I just sometimes leave them on. Not always, but yeah. sometimes you'd want to get out of them just to breathe. But a lot of times you would take out... You would take off your combat boots and put on your civilian combat boots, <laughs> mm-hmm, right? <exactly. laughs> Which were the same type of boot but more comfortable. Yeah.
1: Well, and the funny thing is, in mm-hmm. those days too, like I dressed like that. Me too. Like, I wore, I had my
0: army brown shirts, and then I would wear a plaid shirt over yeah, it. And like there had, you go. <laughs> uh, all
1: I wore was Doc Martens and jeans and T-shirts, and and I would have wore Doc
0: Martens except I learned about combat boots and i was like yeah, that's what exactly. i wore when we went to the rob zombie show i wore my combat boots mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. well they were my emt boots by then but uh, yep. uh and i had on my old 20
1: year old at that point doc martin so yeah
0: but, yeah yeah no i mean i love the scene the reason why uh grunge i think finally kind of like waned out is because uh you know when, when you start seeing jc ads of grunge clothes and they're advertising them as grunge clothes. We know that this pure of heart, very um, pure and genuine movement from the heart, is just, it got played out. And after a while, even the bands themselves changed their musical tone. So by 96, the grunge scene was pretty much over. And then some of the bands were still putting out music. But their music changed a little. Um, by then, Alice in Chains did Jar of Flies, the more acoustical version of, you know, that it, they were kind of trying to get away from the grunge a little because it was just getting too played out. Uh, by then, uh, Soundgarden had put out um, uh, Down on the Upside where you had Burden in My Hand and all these other folksies type songs. Uh, I, I think they were all having a grunge hangover. And so they all changed their sound a little bit by then. Uh, by then, Pearl Jam had uh, Verses. And so their songs kind of reflected how the grunge scene was this lightning in a bottle thing. Uh, It captured this magic and this heart and this purity of the moment. Uh, And then when it got played out, even the bands kind of, you know, just shifted Mm -hmm. a little bit in musical tone. Um, But uh, getting back to relationships... What do you, did you learn anything in those days from these types of movies, or did they give you unrealistic expectations, or did they make you feel better or worse about men and males and all those things?
1: I think at that point, it just made me, I just wanted to meet someone, (laughs) and I wanted to have a relationship. Yeah, don't we all,
0: yeah. Yeah. I, um, you know, for me, you know, because I went into the army so young, and then I met a lot of girls in the army, and. I ended up having some one night stands with some of them and sometimes it was great, but other times it was like, oh, and then you got to face that person in real life after because they're in your unit, you know? Um, and, uh, but the thing is, is that I wanted to talk about all that because I wasn't really what I would say, a, a, like a player, but I was handsome, I was fit and a lot of the girls just sort of fell into my lap and I had no idea how to handle them at the time. I remember this one time, I think I've told this story, I might have even told it here on the show, is that one time, this is before I I was in National Guard and then I went active duty. Well, when I was in National Guard, I was still in, you know, civilian clothes and all that. And I went to this bar that I frequented and the the lady there, she was a sports waitress and she had a thing for me. And so finally, she worked up the courage and she kind of come over to me and tell me, hey, you know, I think you're really cute. Would you like to go out sometime? And she's like, my friend's, you know, pushed me to go talk to you. And I was like, oh, that's cute. And I was like, I go, that's really flattering. I mean it. You're very beautiful. You're very nice. But I don't think we would be compatible. And she's like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm a dork. I sit around watching Star Trek all night long. I don't do anything really that fun. I, mm-hmm. And she's like, that's okay. And um, honestly, I turned her down. And before too long, by then, I went active duty and that was that. But, um, you know, I was... I was a guy, you know, like I was kind of nerdy and shy as a teenager. And then by senior year, I had a growth spurt. I got, I went from chubby guy, like after, like once I got out of soccer, I kind of went through a chubby stage where I was still short. And this is where I met my friend Craig. And we, we kind of became like, I went from athlete to the guy at the snack bar selling treats and nachos little fat kid, <laughs> it was like a picture of me in the yearbook of like holding candy bars, like cards mm-hmm. and, uh, me and Craig, I'll try to find that. But, um, and then I moved, we moved up to Redding, like several hundred miles away an eight hour drive to Northern California where there's a lot of cowboys and cowboy culture, a lot of conservative culture. And I didn't relate, you know, I'm coming from the surfer mentality, you know, in the eighties, TNC surf and gorilla gorilla and all that and so um it was a culture shock to me and so i did a little bit of dating in high school and i i met a good friend uh she was my friend but then i just realized like I, i i went through a growth spurt and then i started working out and then all these women were paying attention to me and i didn't know how to handle it because my outsides looked grown and mature but my insides were still that 15 year old nerdy kid so, I, I yeah. took a little getting used to. And so, and then I went in the army and everything changed. And then I was drinking a lot and just carrying on in a lot of one night stands, a lot of half assed relationships that burn out. You know, like we would get friend zoned. Oh, we had sex, we had a great time. But then she would get interested in somebody else and friend zone me or I would friend zone her. And so I really didn't start learning about relationships till I got out of the army and uh, went to college, and I dated a little bit in college. Um, But uh, tell me about your experiences. I was a shy guy who kind of found his confidence, and then, you know, I I went through a few years where I could date and have one-night stands and all that. I didn't intend to do that. I just kind of worked Mm -hmm. out that way. You drink, one thing led to another. But I look at those times not as a conquest, but as... It really was damaging to my psyche because you were tearing down social boundaries. You were tearing down relationship norms. You were getting drunk, having sex with these people that you would barely know. And thankfully, no STDs were involved. Thankfully, knock on wood. But, um, but the truth is, is that I was young, I was dumb, and I was definitely full of calm. <clears throat> But what I mean is is that I was not ready to handle adult life. And then uh, a few years after the Army, I dated a woman that was 10 years older than me. She was in her 30s while I was in my 20s. And that threw me for a loop. I'm trying to – she thinks because I'm a college kid that I'm really smart. And I was smart, but I was very immature. And uh, I was trying to play catch-up with this grown woman who was a nurse. Mm -hmm. And uh... (laughs) – I didn't know what the hell I was doing. You know? Yeah.
1: And I was kind of the opposite. I never yeah. did the whole dating thing, really. Like, when I was, um, probably, end of, no, when I was 20, I was going to junior college and I had a binder that had a Smith quote on it or something. Mm-hmm. And this guy, I had actually gone to high school with him, but we didn't know each other. Yeah, And he was big into the Smiths and he saw that and we started talking and ended up Dating and then he went to San Diego State. I moved to San Diego with him. Like, this Robert, straight out, yeah, yeah, <laughs> the gate. My first yeah. relationship was moving five, six hours yeah. away with him. It and happens. I moved to Salt Lake City her. with
0: my girlfriend after mm-hmm. culinary school and became a chef. Yeah, after a year, we were both homesick. She hated me, I hated her. It was awful.
1: Yeah, so but I just went through this whole like, I. Didn't do the dating thing, and all of a sudden I'm in this four and a half year living together relationship.
0: Yeah, twenty, right? So it was yeah, kind of it happened different. to <laughs> me too. I know she was in her early twenties. I was in my uh, mid to late twenties, and um, I mean, it was weird. <laughs> well, I set all that up because you know I think people nowadays, the world is different. Uh, there was a little bit more free love and all that, even though not really, because the 80s was the AIDS epidemic, and everybody was way into safe sex, which is good, but it made you paranoid, you know, it made you paranoid, you didn't want to sleep around, and um, um, I, I, I slept with a few people that I knew in the Army, a few gals, and I, you know, I dated a few people before you, and uh, I remember, you know, my, Rebecca and I, we met on Match.com. And I was 34, and you were 35, respectively, and uh, I went on exactly uh, two dates and one phone, getting to know someone over the phone, and she dumped me as soon as she saw my picture. I wasn't for her. I was like, well, why don't you just go ahead and tell me I'm ugly? (laughs) You know? um you know and i was always a pretty good looking guy but um you know you're not everybody's type and some people just don't know how to be nice about it so when she saw me she's like no i was like all right fine you know and and then i went on this date with this gal we went to a lunch date and uh she was a an hr gal she worked in hr and she was very uptight very god like i don't want to say conservative but she was a Miss Pris, and she was real, real bitch, let's just say. I mean, I couldn't believe it. And and I remember I was asking her because we were talking about what's your upbringing, what, what's your heritage, you know. She got upset because I asked her what her last name was. Yeah. She thinks that dating on match means you're dating in on- anonymity. No, nobody said that. Yes.
1: No, it's she to got meet so people
0: and- she got so offended that the whole she ruined the whole day. Yeah. I was trying to be nice and we were trying I was trying to, you know, talk about oh, I oh, you're Polish, I'm Scottish or something like that, right? And she got so offended and and the whole meal was ruined. I just finished my meal quietly and I literally got so pissed. I told her I had to go to the bathroom. I went to the bathroom to think about what I was going to do. I was trying to salvage the situation. Instead, I laughed I fucking bailed on her. I didn't even tell her. <laughs> I told. I just bailed because Damn. at the time I wasn't. I was in a dark place. I, I had um, tried out this one relationship with this one gal, and it didn't go anywhere. She had a kid. It was really weird, and um, and she had just moved back from Texas, and she she had this like pushy Texas personality, and so I'm trying to get back out there. I was working at the army post, making pretty good money. And, uh, and then, so that was two, two girls and I bailed on her and she called me, left this nasty voicemail. I told her to fuck off and it was awful. It was <laughs> awful, but she was a, she was not nice. Yeah. Let's just say I, she deserved it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I could, you know, I was still growing. I was still learning. And then, um, and then you were my last, you were my only hope Obi-Wan, <laughs> you know, you were my last shot of, of, of online dating and, uh. I remember, we talked, we were going to meet at Best Buy.
1: Well, I still remember, I was at my friend's house when I was looking at my profile, and your picture popped up. Yeah,
0: I was wearing a Green Lantern shirt.
1: and glasses. Normally,
0: and glasses, Mm -hmm. that would have turned off most people. Yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah, and
0: I remember, I was like,
1: ooh, he's pretty cute. Well, thank
0: goodness I was into running in those days, I was really fit in those days. I'm still pretty fit, but...
1: I was like, real thin. Um, I was. Yeah, but... um. And I was at my friend's house, and I was still still shy. All these 800 years later, still pretty shy. Yeah. And I was like, should I give him a thumbs up, or should I wave, or should I do a wave? And I was the one that did the little wave first. Yeah. Which was, for me, that was a big step. That was a big step, right.
0: <laughs> well, and I remember we started talking over the phone, mm-hmm. and um, we just both found out that we were the same in a lot of ways. We liked Dexter we like dark, spooky stuff. Ghost hunters. Ghost hunters. True crime. Remember
1: when we went? We met Grant. Yeah, of ghost hunters, and told him we met on Match. We met on Match, and we bonded over that. And we <laughs> bonded over
0: you, Grant, yep. and ghost hunters. Right? Mm-hmm. If you guys take a look at my picture above my um, podcast desk, I have a picture of myself with Grant Wilson from Ghost Hunters, mm-hmm. uh, the nicer of the two. <laughs> yep, exactly. I'm, I'm biased. Yeah, me too. I like I like Jason Hawes too, but you know. Yeah. Um but yeah, yeah. And then um I remember we met at Best Buy. I almost cancelled because canceled. My, my computer took a shit. And I was like, ah, I gotta redo this whole thing. Ah fuck it, I'll just step away for a while. And mm-hmm. I met you. Yep. And uh yeah, I, I uh long story short, I fixed my computer later. <laughs>
1: well that uh, first date we hung out for like eight hours.
0: Yeah. I remember we were like, well, we, first we went into Best Buy, and then we walked around that plaza. We went to the
1: bookstore.
0: We went to the bookstore, and then I think we just, you know, I was like, do you trust me? Can we go to Los Osos? We're yeah. going to go check so out the Elfin Forest, the Elfin Forest right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, okay. And we went, and we sat there in silence a lot of it. And I realized this person feels different. There was a connection that it was unspoken that and And then then sat by the little fireplace in that little was upper crust, upper crust pizza. That's Mm -hmm. right. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I just remember having this unspoken connection to you that didn't require a lot of talking. didn't require a lot of words. And, uh, and it was true. And, and as we've gotten to know each other over the years, do we have our little differences? Sure. But we get along in, in terms of politics, we get, we're get we the same in terms of music, we're the same in terms of movies. So thank God, because I mean, can you imagine if I had just been some right winger that hated all the stuff you right. love? And yeah. I mean, it would have been, it just wouldn't have worked out. It wouldn't yeah. have been compatible. And it's
1: funny because you say there wasn't a lot of talking, but for me, it was a lot of talking. <laughs> right. like, I talked more than I usually <laughs> did talk with people. Yeah, so exactly. It, yeah. But I do remember going to work um, whenever the next day, a couple days later, or whatever, and yeah. telling my coworkers that, you know, I got in your car and we went somewhere, and they're like, oh, you
0: got in his car? <laughs>
1: Why did you do that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I knew I could trust you.
0: I just knew. Yeah, no, I mean, um, I've always been somewhat of a Boy Scout. I'm clean cut, you know, uh, amazingly attractive. No, kidding. Um, no, <laughs> You're I just, not bad. I just think, yeah, um, there was a connection there. And, um, you know, they say, you know, don't hunt out of your league and don't hunt under your league. We were in the same league and we had the, a lot of similarities in growing up yeah. p- poor, mm-hmm. growing up with struggles. And uh, we just related to those uh, those those hardships, you know, in a way that if you if I had grown up with money, I don't. And that was the thing. Living in San Luis Obispo, you're always growing, getting to know people that grew up with money. Yeah. And and all these uh, amenities that they took for granted. And uh, in some ways, it, sometimes it could come off a little bit spoiled. It could come off a little bit entitled. And uh, you and I, you know, weren't born with that silver spoon in our mouth. And I really do think th- those hardships were something that we could relate to in a very deep and meaningful and spiritual level. Yeah. You absolutely. know? Absolutely. Mm hmm. Well, I set all that up because, you know, at the end of the day, when I do this show, I'm always thinking about what people want to hear. What do people need to hear? And I think people need to hear that it does get better. Um, I have a friend who uh, is in his 60s, and I love him dearly, and I really hope he doesn't hear this because I'm not trying to talk ill of him, but he seems like a really confirmed bachelor. And I don't think that's fair because nerdy guys need love too. And um, I'm—I say I'm nerdy, but I can look cool. Where some people just look nerdy, and there's nothing they can do about it. You could put on Fonzie clothes, ain't <laughs> gonna change nothing. Um, but he's a really good guy, and he's confirmed bachelor. And um, uh, you know, he's now you know making friends with uh, somebody else uh, in a town kind of far away in the same state and you know sometimes i feel like a passive aggressiveness there because he wants me to relate to him like we're brothers because he his his best friend died and and he's been looking for some fair weather something to fill that void ever since that fair weather talk that fair weather friendship that 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 void and I, i'm like i'm trying but i'm an introvert i'm running my own business i'm married um and frankly i hate to say it but we're in different leagues i'm not saying that to say oh how Mm -hmm. look how great i am Mm -hmm. i'm not perfect some young guy could probably whip my ass in the looks department now but i've always been kind of a cool guy kind of hip kind of with it always paying attention to music always paying attention to cultural trends that's why i became a chef just knowing what was cool what was hip what was in and uh when i was you know you try to be relevant I don't know how relevant I am today, (laughs) a little bit out of, out of practice. But um, my point is, is that I see these men and women out there just dying on the vine, wondering who they can trust, wondering if it ever gets easier. What do you think? I mean, should they give up? Should they, how do you, because I see a lot of relationships that, you know, like I was thinking about. Uh, our friends from oklahoma she's married with two kids married to a guy he has kind of a had a hard upbringing by a couple of parents that might not be nice people and he seems to take on some of these bad traits as well and i look at him and i look at her and i'm like something's not right about this picture she is gorgeous beautiful physically and smart and nice and kind and um and I see this guy, and I, I don't mean to judge, but I'm like, you can do better, girl. <laughs> and I don't mean, you know, it's its not my business, but young love, man, is blind. And mm-hmm. uh, so I guess, what is your best advice for younger folks in their 20s and 30s who are still looking for love in all the wrong yeah. places?
1: It's, a lot of it's just you have to go through it to learn it. Mm. You absolutely do. And yeah. it's... It's tough lessons and it's hard things that you learn. But And one thing I do have to say is, like we talked about on another show about something else, is trust your gut. Yeah. Because a couple different reasons. When we yeah. were, when I was in San Diego with that first relationship, it's weird. Things manifested physically with me. Mm-hmm. So I was having a really bad bout of heart palpitations. Yeah. It got to the point where wow. like every other heartbeat was palpating and feeling weird and i um a couple weeks later i had gone to the doctor and i was ready for a cardiology appointment and my boyfriend broke up with me oh and then like a week or two later i found out that he was cheating on me
0: oh double whammy
1: yeah So it was...
0: And then you went to Europe, then you went to England, (laughs) and you were mopey the whole fucking time.
1: Yes. Well, at least the music,
0: you know, the Smiths was perfect for that.
1: It was. Um, Yeah, but so my body knew something was up. Because when stress is a big cause of this, they call them, um, I was going to say EVPs, oh my gosh, (laughs) PVCs, PVCs. premature ventricular contractions. Yeah. But stress is a big cause of those. And right. I think my subconscious knew mm-hmm. before I knew. And I yeah. think that's how it was manifested. Well, there must have been it, some telltale sign. It stopped after that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the main telltale sign was one night he went out, got home really late, looked really, like, super mm-hmm. pale. like, And he said that the car broke down when mm-hmm. they were like, he and his friend went across the border to Mexico because they were in San Diego. Yeah. And I'm 100% sure that that's the first night something happened. Yeah. I know now that that's exactly right. what happened. And just little things, and I'd see, like... And he
0: was pale because he couldn't lie to you.
1: He was lying, but, But he yeah. was lying,
0: and he was yeah. not very good and at I it. and I remember I yeah. found,
1: like, in a bag, there was a, a comic that had been printed up. hmm And the heading, you, you know, it prints where it came from, and it was a veterinary office. Yeah. Of this girl that I was friends with who worked at a veterinary office. And that was where it was printed up. So just yeah. these little things that finally, like, came to a head. and
0: Yeah, right. Little telltale signs. Little, so well, trust that's,
1: your gut. Yeah, trust, trust your, your body.
0: gut. You know, well, and the thing is, is, like, you met me in a weird time because I was always, always, always gainfully employed. I was a, a, an overachiever in many rights. Uh, I was always shooting big, and I'm still shooting big. But the difference is, is that by 2008, the economy had crashed I was sick and tired of being a chef because I was sick and tired of my mastery of this craft being taken advantage of by wealthy people who had no skill and all the money in the world, and they just don't, you know, they have, they don't care about your quality of life. They don't care about you. And I went through, I helped open so many restaurants where they stole my ideas, and uh, I really was a master of my craft at the time. I, I dedicated my whole life to becoming a chef and an artist. And uh, it taught me, with with my military discipline, it really taught me to hone my discipline and my craft, where I really was quite good. And then I ended up moving to uh, Sacramento for a while, only for a few months, because uh, I ended up getting a job at this place called Biba's, Biba Caggiano, she's got seven or eight books out, she's since passed, rest in peace Biba, but her executive chef was a fucking hillbilly a-hole, just football and beer that's all he cared about and uh he was a jerk and uh and then i wasn't getting along with my best friend who's the chiropractor and uh he had just bought in his new house and he was spending all his time with his uncle and these other people and then he would tell me to come over i'm like i'm at your house why didn't you come by and get me i don't know my fucking way around (laughs) you know and so i just didn't work out and i worked at that restaurant for a little while and uh it was neat getting to know biba she was the owner and she's pretty famous. And I've met, you know, a handful of chefs. I've met, you know, uh, all the greats, Wolfgang Puck, uh, Emeril Legasse. I got to meet, uh, <clears throat> uh, Julia Child, you know. Um, and so I'm very proud of my past as a chef, but I had to finally cut ties with the fact that unless you got money, son, you ain't starting your own restaurant, especially in California. And it just took so much, you know, time and money in schooling to do and to finally let go of it it happened right when you and i met i was working at the army post making pretty good money and um but it was long way there and a long way back and i worked all these hours and uh yeah and then the more toxic that became with all these crazies out there uh i was spending more time calling out i was spending more time where I'd be stuck with you down in San Luis, and I got to drive all the way home and go to work, and I'd call out, and I realized I was at the crossroads again, and that's when I quit that job and I went into EMT school, but then I just realized the economy was shit by then, and then Obama became president, and it was just... I'm so sorry that you had to meet me at the strangest time of my life. It feels like Fight Club, you know? You met me <laughs> in a very <laughs> weird time in my life. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm still kind of trying to figure out who I am and who that is. Um, Because when you're intelligent and experienced, but you don't have a lot of money, you're put in this precarious position of having to always settle, settle, settle for less. And I'm, I guess I've just done it too many times before where I got to a point where I just, I can't settle anymore.
1: Speaking of settling. Yeah. You asked me before what advice I had for younger people when it came to relationships. Yeah. Um, so after I came back from San Diego, I was back dancing at the college again, yeah. and I met someone, and he was probably six years younger than me, I think, and mm-hmm. we, I I guess we dated for like four years or so, but the whole time, he, he told me, like, just like in singles, he told me he didn't want to commit, he wanted to be open to see other people, mm-hmm. and I just
0: that ignored was, that part, ignored that part, <clears throat> yeah. and I,
1: there's so many times over the years when my gut was telling was me, was that the Latino yeah. fellow? Yeah. Yeah. When my gut was telling me, this isn't right for you. Like he's nice, whatever, but it's not right for you. You guys have nothing in common. It's just, yeah. it's not a good fit. But I didn't want to hurt his feelings.
0: Oh God! I didn't
1: want to be by myself. Yeah. So I ignored that for. Right. It was probably a good two years that I just pushed and down. And so, what is your advice my, to
0: women entering into relationships?
1: Don't settle. Yeah. And if someone tells you something that that's their stance on it and they're not going to change and it's opposite of what you want yeah don't think you're going to change them well yeah
0: if you want kids and you're bent on having kids and you meet someone that doesn't want kids Mm. you might get along fantastically but at the end of the day that's probably going to create thing
1: and it's going to create a a
0: a storm it's going to create some clash
1: and as hard as it is at the moment it's in the In the end, it's probably better. Like when he finally broke up with me, mm-hmm. like I was relieved. I literally <laughs> was. I felt relief because it had
0: been dying on the vine for a long time. A long time. Tell so, the folks yeah. about Jay and and what happened to him because I think yeah. we've never really talked about it. We kind of mentioned a little bit uh, mm-hmm. about how your boyfriend before me died, but go ahead and talk. Yeah. About, tell tell the folks about that.
1: Well, we um we had actually gone to high school together, but mm-hmm. didn't, we'd met. Actually, we met for the first time at our 10-year reunion. Yeah. And then um, years and years later, um, I just met him at somebody's birthday party. And at that point, there was two guys that I kind of, I liked both of them. Mm -hmm. And neither of them wanted a relationship with me. And I was kind of hanging on to that. And I met Jay and... I kind of pushed him away for a little bit. Like he yeah. kept saying, "Oh, let's hang out," and I was like, "No, no." Was it
0: because he was not your type, or was it no, too?
1: It wasn't was he that. Too it was f-
0: big, or was no? It
1: was just that I was still stuck on this other person. Yeah, and I finally had to hear it from him straight up. No, this is not happening. And then I was like, okay. And then Jay called me, and he—I think he had called and left a message or something, and it didn't go through all the way. So I called him back, and we just—I ended up going out with them. Yeah, and we just clicked. Yeah. And he was really the first. Well, Robert did respect me, but we were 20. Like Right. So you're, you're just well, and, and, and you tell the folks how
0: on. he has certain things in common with me, but but we're different in certain ways. And tell people what you look for in a man now that you're older and, and some of the telltale signs that uh, even though he treated you better, uh, he was in a bad, dark place himself. And yeah. tell the folks about well, that.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. He was probably the first time in a decade that I felt like someone appreciated me for who I was, yeah, and wasn't going to try to change me or was going to let me be myself, and that was just really, really freeing, and it felt really, really good, yeah. But he straight up told me, like the one of the first times we hung out, that I'm I'm a drug addict.
0: Oof, how do you yeah. deal? And I don't think that would be a deal breaker for me.
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> it was because he. It was prescription drugs, and yeah. he was trying, and right. and it wasn't, like,
0: an... He wasn't doing crank yeah. or heroin no, or something. and it yeah. wasn't,
1: like, he wasn't on stuff all the time,
0: yeah. but then,
1: yeah, I don't know. It's just, yeah, yeah, he told me, I mean, straight up. Wow. And I think, honestly... And that's what's
0: ki- what killed him, too. Tell the folks well, how he died. yeah,
1: it, he had a heart attack. Yeah. And I never talked to his mom after they got the, like, official Autopsy report so, and all, right. But it you know, probably
0: was, that. he probably OD'd because he, yeah. he probably or, popped 10 well, he pills or something. he was living down in
1: L.A. again at the time. Was, did he, he drink? Had, did he mix drugs? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's probably what happened. Mm, and Terrible. He was in L.A. and he was involved in the entertainment industry. He was getting back into it. He was an editor. And, yeah. Um, yeah, he had a doctor that gave him drugs. Yeah. And he... He drank also. Well, I drank and
0: experimented with drugs, but I always kept the part of me that the army taught me to be a Boy Scout. Now, the army told me, taught me to have strength beyond all temptation. And so I was always, I always rose above it. You know, those commercials where they tell you to be above the influence. I always was. And while I think I could be led into temptation, there's just some drugs I tried and didn't like. I didn't like meth. I tried mm-hmm. it for a year, hated it, tried cocaine off and on at parties, didn't care for it. always made me have to poop. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> how can you party and poop? I mean, you can't. Yeah. And then you got a drink to come down from it. It's it, awful, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm at a point where um, I like feeling high, but um, I also need that life quality Balance. And And, yeah, you know you're able to I can't be untethered too long. I have to be I gotta wake up tomorrow and do shit. Yeah.
1: And (laughs) that's where you guys have a lot in common and Mm -hmm. he was less able to deal with his demons. He hadn't gotten to that point yet.
0: Well where you are. I could have gone there, but I chose not to. Uh I quit smoking when I was uh twenty eight. I had quit drinking, it took me a few tries, but I was thirty. Um, I was drinking like a fish because I was depressed and anxious over my grandma dying unexpectedly. Uh, I, I resent, I, I resented my grandfather a little bit because of the way he handled it. He left a phone message on the answering machine that didn't go too well, but then I grew to realize that he was just old and clueless. Um, but then I held a, a little bit of resentment there and, uh. And then he moved down a few years later, and that's when I told you that I wish I had treated him a little better. Yeah, I didn't mistreat him, but I, mm-hmm. I just because I was good to him too. Um, but uh, he just had to deal with the anxious Brian, which is not the fun Brian. The yeah. fun Brian is the one that's in control and relaxed and calm. Um, but I had to, uh, you know, search for that because yeah, I could have gone, you know, off the deep end with drink and drug. Um, I. Quit smoking pot for a really long time. I smoked pot in culinary school uh, because I was trying to alleviate my drinking demons because I was going out and getting drunk a lot. I did have a live in girlfriend at the time, so I didn't. That probably kept me out of a lot of trouble because I could just drink with her, be at home. She went to yeah. school, I went to school. So uh, we lived with her parents. We had stability. Uh, his, Her parents were both, um, you know, graduates of Harvard. Her mother was a retired English professor. He worked in computers. They were geniuses, but they were dealing with the death of their daughter, their first daughter, their excuse me, the youngest of the two, her younger sister, and uh, it was just very broken and weird. But because I was broken and weird, it worked out. Yeah, yeah. And then and then I moved back, and then I ended up meeting Jenny, and you know we we kind of dated, and then we moved to Salt Lake City, and uh, it's just so weird to look back on now all the right. relationships and all yeah. the turmoil to t- all the drama, all the tumult, uh, because I worshiped, uh, Jenny in a lot of ways, but my depression and my anxiety over wanting more out of my chef career manifested as frustration. <laughs> and, uh, she got to see it, man. And, uh, I, it probably was what broke the camel's back is my anger got out of control. And, uh, and, and so what I had to do is I, sobered up and got a better life is i had to learn because you remember the economy took a shit i left Mm -hmm. my job you come home you saw me out on the porch with a beer in my hand looking just like your dad Mm -hmm. (laughs) angry yeah crusty and uh and i realized that no 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 i cannot let anger and frustration rule me and uh and i and i haven't and uh, uh the the good thing is is that i know my demons we're best friends And sometimes they talk me into things I shouldn't do. Um, But a lot of times I tell my demons, no, no, bro. I got to go to bed, man. I can't be doing this shit. Yeah. You know, and I don't seek drugs. I I smoke pot and that's it. Smoke a little bit of pot, you know, little stuff here and there. Drink once in a while, but no, you know, I can't hang. And uh, I think, you know, the difference is, is that Jay and I, had the same demons it's just that i had better mastery over them than he
1: yeah 100 percent. and i don't know if he ever would have gained mastery over them yeah i'm not sure i don't know and if things had turned out differently we would have probably been living in los angeles which Mm -hmm. would not have contributed to helping with that kind of thing no
0: especially in the entertainment exactly
1: so i can see that it could have gone really badly
0: well, and me too, because I was in radio. If I had gotten more into radio and it hadn't ended, who knows what it would have done to my ego? Who knows what it would have done to my career and the yeah. parties and the women, the lifestyle? Um, you know, I'm at a point now where um, relationships, you know, they were never easy for me. Uh, I, I was good with women because I'm nice to women. I, I, I always had fitness and looks in my favor, knock on wood. I hope I don't lose that. But, um, <laughs> the point is, is that, uh, I think my lucky stars that it was so easy for me. Cause for some guys they're trying like mad and you know, they're not ugly. They're just unique. Yeah. And, yeah. um, some people just, you know, guys like my friend need to find girls like them, you know, and seems like women are always start trying to shoot above their weight class. I don't know. Oh, it goes those both ways, so, yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Because I know men, beer gut, and they're like, "I need a beautiful woman with yeah. big tits." Like, who yeah. do you think you I are? Yeah, exactly. So well, yeah,
1: you just don't sell yourself short, but also just know where you are. <laughs> like,
0: well, and and that's the, if there's a, if there's a point to all this is that we all deal with like living with our parents. We all deal with poverty and bad jobs. We all, you know, unfortunately, there's no better um, boner killer, if you will, than a man without a job, a man without money um, or or living at home with your parents. Uh, We're all, you know, we all kind of had to get real fucking comfortable with weird shit right away. And uh, we ended up moving with my mom for a time. And then we moved out so I could go into the Firefighter Academy. I ended up getting out of that because it sucked ass. But I love the EMS Academy. And then I tried to become an EMT. And, uh, uh, you know, my tragic circumstances in school when I went on the ride along made it to where I didn't want to do it after that.
1: When you go out the first day and you come across an accident with eight dead people, that'll yeah, and a I saw dead bodies everywhere. Not, not pun, not intended. Crash course.
0: Well, we got the neighbor with the leaf blower out there, so I hope that doesn't interfere with things too much. But um, getting back on track, we're we're <laughs> almost at an hour. I I really want this to be. Uh, see, I want people to understand that relationships are always difficult. There's always going to be drugs and alcohol involved. There's always going to be one night stands and regrets. There's always going to be um, sexual differences. Um, you know, like the one thing now that we're married and we're happy and we love each other and we're best friends and all that is taken care of. Um, you get to a point where you're not making love enough. You're not making love enough, and you know, and and we're broaching a sensitive subject, but. It's not because I'm not attracted to you and vice versa. It's that you're dealing with all these emotional turmoils. Sadness, despair, politics. Antidepressants don't help. Antidepressants, right. And that's the reality is that life ain't sexy, man. <laughs> it is not. And that's why we when,
1: got that out of the way right off of that. Well, yeah,
0: because <laughs> listen, man. Life is ugly and brutal, and sometimes you gotta live at home with your folks, and sometimes you go, you go a time where you don't have the right job, and you're looking for the right job, or you're in school, you're doing this, and in the meantime, you're living with your folks, or you're living with help, uh, and, uh, it ain't sexy at all, man. And you gain weight, and you look fat, and you look gross, and you feel gross, and that, you know, that's just life, you guys. So, don't stop dating just because you got a couple extra pounds on you. No. And don't yeah. stop dating just because uh, perhaps a man or a woman isn't exactly your type. Um, as you get older, I think young people are ash- embarrassed by everything, ashamed of everything. As you get older, you just go, Yup, this is me. <laughs> <laughs> yup. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it isn't always sexy, but you you develop a stronger friendship than you do just a sexual rapport. You start to realize that, yes, while sex can be important, it is not everything. Absolutely. You know, yeah. friendship is much more important and much more needed in an emergency than, than, than you know, than just plain old sexual mm-hmm. relationships. Yeah. But, you know, it, it helps to have someone you like to fuck too, though. I mean, you know. Here. Thankfully, I like fucking you, but I don't know. Like I said, depression, anxiety, life problems, living with parents, living with, with extended family in your home. Yeah. It's Privacy issues. Yeah. It's it's a fucking buzz killer, y'all. <laughs> and that's why we wanted to talk about this, because I think at the end of the day, I mean, most people who are looking for relationship advice want to hear what they should do. What can I do? What should I do? Tell them, babe. What should they do?
1: Meet or find someone that you are absolutely comfortable with. Yes. Like, one of my weird things was always eating in front of people. Yeah. And I knew, like, when the first day I met you and we went out and had dinner and I didn't even care. Like, I didn't feel self-conscious. Yeah. Like, it's kind of like when you know, you know. Yeah, yeah. But find someone you're comfortable with that you have things in common with.
0: The first time we made love was in your... um In Sandy's bed.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Well, thank goodness to Sandy, because that whole, like, house-sitting thing. It it helped. It threw us into, like...
0: Well, yeah, because at that time, I had just moved out of my roommate's house into my mom's place. I was living in a converted garage with roommates. Right. So, it, like, gave us
1: this privacy and kind of threw us into, like, living together. Yeah, it kind of made us feel like what it would be like if we lived together. And it just felt... Right. It just felt our so Our domestic situation
0: worked out really nice. Yeah. I remember absolutely. it was like our second or third date. We were at Sandy's, and I remember we went to Taco Bell, <laughs> and you cut the cheese. I could and, have been an ender. Oh, boy. <laughs> Me, I surrender. But. But it
1: helped. I it- had never. So I lived with Robert for four and a half years.
0: Holding in farts for four I years? I never
1: farted in front of him. Really? Never. Oh, my God. And my co- Remember my coworker? I don't want to name her. Right. I can't imagine she's listening, but yeah. she's been with her husband like decades and she's still, she's really? literally,
0: yeah. Oh my God. So, no way. So, yeah. <laughs> we got that so, out of the way right quick. <laughs> we did. And, but,
1: and that's what it just, we were comfortable together.
0: Like we had we, so
1: much in common yeah. and trust your gut. Yeah. If something's telling you. What was it about me
0: that made you feel comfortable?
1: I don't know what it was exactly. Like it just, I've always been
0: a nerdy Boy Scout, but... It's um, just your
1: whole, I think, just you. Yeah. You just made me feel comfortable, and I think... Were you attracted was, but, to
0: me? Yes. That's yeah. good. Well, that's good. I, I, I still am. That was pre-beard, too. It, it was pre-beard. Yeah, I was rocking yep. the clean shaven. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I
1: think that's just so important to have, because sometimes... You I'm know, still attracted life, like, to you, too. <laughs> thanks.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, She used to be a dancer, y'all. You should have seen her back in the day. I boy! I still
1: need to put some of those videos on. I I know, man. You were rocking it.
0: We should put it on our YouTube channel. We should. Yeah. Chef Right Comedy, you guys. YouTube. Yeah. Do it. Let's
1: do that. I have the DVDs right there. We'll do it. We'll do it. um, We'll let you know when
0: we do it on the next episode. Yeah, the whole, like,
1: opposites attract thing. Yeah. Yeah. But you got to have some things in common. Because we have our own outside. Oh, yeah. We've got plenty of differences, you know.
0: But... And, and but at, at least, least politically, I think you have to share the yeah, same politics. I do. I would well, have to, it's like, too divisive now. I don't yeah. know how you could ever talk about know. anything.
1: I don't know either.
0: You'd be living in different worlds.
1: Yeah, and cause I'm, I'm in that agnostic atheist group on Facebook, and there's think, a lot of women who, over the past couple of years, of like they've gotten divorced because of it.
0: Like, right.
1: literally these days, at least.
0: I think you need to have the same politics, and you, it would help to have the same. Religion or spirituality, at Mm -hmm. least in some
1: way, like another thing in that group. There's women that are atheists whose husbands are still devout
0: Christians, right? And that's
1: a huge. And when well,
0: yeah, because that changes your whole life. Life Life-changing things. It's hard to ignore. Yeah. And when you're talking about the political divisiveness of our times, I mean, if you were sitting here this whole time, you know, listening to my. Trump rants, we wouldn't be together still. No, I wouldn't be able to do it. No, no it'd be like madness. It would be mm-hmm. like, you know. So thankfully, yeah. we have that. We have politics in common. We have same sensibilities, a gentleness, uh, a lovingness. Uh, uh, and we're, we're both kind, sensitive people. Uh, just that, yeah, I grew up as a boy, so I went through a wild phase. But, um, but the Boy Scout was always there. And I always... Acquiesce to my inner Boy Scout when I would get out of these situations, and then find myself, find my moral center, find my, you know, my core, my inner core of who I wanted to be, and who I always wanted to be was a Boy Scout, a protector of women, a protector of people's freedoms and rights, and a protector of um, uh, avoiding unnecessary danger. You know, yeah. I jumped from a helicopter, I jumped from an airplane. Wouldn't do it now. I'm not taking any unnecessary risks. I see too many things online now where people are like their last photo together before they died have having fallen off the Grand Canyon. I know. Oh my god. You got yeah. you know, you could just go to some place dangerous and accidentally fall and die that day. hmm I have nightmares about that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. And while I'm not a coward, I'll I've done some pretty scary things. I was skateboarder military guy jumping climbing man action kind of guy but um now i'm just like uh no no i'm good i'll i can see summer <laughs> from the from from my window right here thank you yeah yeah <laughs> and exactly. i never used to be that introverted but I, I think the crazier the world becomes sort of the the more uh, uh i'm just comfortable and happy by myself do i get lonely sometimes my depression tries to tell me that i'm lonely. And then I'm like, you're on a planet full of 8 billion people, and be glad you don't know your fucking neighbors. You wouldn't want to know them. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I hate <laughs> to say that because there's good people
1: mm-hmm. all over. But you see people you know, talking about, like, you know, on Facebook that have, like, this neighborhood where everybody's, like, always going to each other's houses. And yeah. Like
0: that. That sounds like Borrowing that sounds, cups of sugar. That sounds awful. Yeah. I've had that. <laughs> I was When I was living with Charles, uh, his neighbor... Was this guy that owned the cigarette store and had a Russian bride and all that? Mm-hmm. And they were coming over all the time. I was like, oh, God. Yeah. Um, Although I did hear that nice when enough, I but, lived you know.
1: in Cayucas, I lived in a little studio. And the Sometimes it's great. Yeah, the next door neighbor yeah, yeah. Was, was Kita's best friend. Yeah. She was always having barbecues and stuff. So it was nice that, because I was in a funk at that time. So it was kind of nice to have people that would help pull me out of it. Yeah, yeah. And I was right next door and Keto's downstairs. was If they're good influences. Exactly. That's what it
0: boils down to. Yeah. Are they good influences or not? Mm-hmm. If they're bad influences, no. You don't need that kind of Yeah temptation you know but if you have people in your life that are um help you uh, make good decisions for yourself then good if, if they're getting you into yoga and they're getting you into fitness or they're getting you off of drugs and alcohol then good oh, but if they're I probably
1: drank more in that year than i ever
0: well did yeah lives,
1: but, occasionally but it was getting me out of my shell a little bit it was pulling me out of so long as you weren't
0: me, yeah like you know, it being was dangerous a,
1: no not at all yeah and Never drove anywhere because she was a next door neighbor and Kita lived three blocks away. So it was like, didn't have to drive anywhere. So
0: anytime yeah. I was going to, I'm going to take this acid. I'm going to be tripping balls. I, you know, people that weren't allowed were the people that I knew would give me a bad trip. The people mm-hmm. I trusted most were there. This is what's going to happen. Here's 911. <laughs> exactly. I have water provisions. I know mm-hmm. I'm going to be out of it for a while. I need you guys to protect me yeah and it was all you know that's how i had to do it
1: mm-hmm.
0: um i wouldn't do it now because i've experienced all that but to, i was looking for mind expansion soul expansion i was looking to peek behind the curtain what's on the other side of that curtain is heaven no. real is god real what's out there and um you know that we were talking about the last episode you know about life and spirituality. Um, I think that's what drugs do for a lot of people is they help you tap into something that's hard to tap into sober. And what the guru is trying to tell you is we have cannabinoid and opioid receptors in our brains because we can make these things happen without those sensations. We don't have to smoke weed to get high. We don't have to do drugs. They Mm -hmm. help, but you also have to know, um, you know, my point is, is that, all these chemicals in our brain exist there for a reason. And that is because our, our brains are made, tailor made um, for mind expansion, made to feel yeah. high sometimes. And sometimes being high is nothing more than a runner's high. Uh, uh, you know, and, and if you use substances, use them intelligently. Know your limits. Have a backup plan. Know where the phone is. Have water. Have provisions know people that are sober that can take care of you and can get you to the doctor, etc., 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 and never, ever, ever take more than you think you should. Um, one dose of acid is plenty. You don't need 4 <laughs> <laughs> But um, take re- word for it. Yeah, but relationships. I mean, I want to leave us here with something that real people who are just struggling out there, um, it seems like women always have to go through a handful of bad boys till they find the right one, and then the right one is always some fat guy that was always stable but kind of nerdy. <laughs> hey, you guys, your Fonzie isn't the one. Your cool guy is always the wrong one. Just get your fat man with a job <laughs> and, and and shut the fuck up and live the rest of your life and enjoy your life. I mean, I don't know. It just seems to me men and women both do that. they mm-hmm. always looking for the ideal... And then as time goes on, they realize what they thought was ideal was actually dangerous or not good for them. So what would be your advice to ladies these days who are looking for love and just realize, you know, either their standards are too high or um, it's all about looks. It's all shallow. It's about fitness. It's about looks. It's about love. It's about youth. Youth fades, bro. Yeah. Looks fade with time. So what... How can we have a relationship of love and friendship that endures over time?
1: First off, I can't even imagine dealing with that right now. Like if I had to deal with that. Oh,
0: God. Exhausting. I I wouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I would be the crazy cat man. Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) I think it just comes down to knowing yourself and knowing who you are. Yeah. And sticking to that and finding someone that appreciates you for that for who you are that doesn't expect you to like yeah at the end isn't trying to mold you into their well that's
0: just it i mean you and i i think the reason why it works is because we have fun together we're one part serious we're one part silly heart we're both depressives but we don't feed into each other's um uh, uh demons like if you're a crack addict and you're dating another crack addict chances are you're gonna get worse on crack together So the same could be said for depression or anxiety. If there ain't at least one of you who can um, safeguard against going down that depression rabbit hole together, um, it's good that you guys can identify with each other's depression. But if you're somehow feeding into drugs and alcohol or you're feeding into uh, pathological behaviors that are going to ruin you... uh, someone in that relationship's got to be wearing the pants doing the adult thing and so yeah. when you find an an addict with another addict 10 9 times out of 10 they're just going to get worse together until things fall apart you and i work for some reason because we're both grown up we're both adults you've been i think we both have a silly side and a childlike side but we all both have an adult side and, mm-hmm. and somehow that works and you know because you were in peds for 20 years I was in the military. I've worked as a chef. I've been in very professional environments. And I think what really makes it work is knowing when to be an adult and knowing when you're only being an adult to satisfy this sense of ego and arrogance and pretense. The okay. impetus that you have to be keeping up with the Joneses. This idea that you have to be, you know, dressed a certain way in order to be an adult. I've always dispensed with those things. I've always been non-conventional. And I think what works for us is you've always let me sort of be that you have never tried to stifle me or stop me. And I've never tried to stifle you or stop you from being who you are. Yeah, so at the end of the day, so I mean, what it boils down to is just let each other be different. Um, if the other person isn't being respectful of you, then, yeah, you know, put your foot down. But at the end of the day, I mean, um, opposites can attract, but it probably helps to have similar life views and life goals. If you're with some deadbeat who has no ambition in life uh, and you have goals, uh, drop that motherfucker off at daycare because he ain't going to fucking live up to your expectations. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing about this, like with me, is I've known some unemployment, some droughts in my life, but I'm a go-getter boy. It's just that what is there to go get? Go get lost in the shuffle and then come back and go, fuck. You look yeah. like that cat on a Sunday morning. He's been sitting on the lawn looking like he did drugs all weekend. Yeah. You know, you go out in that world and you realize it's kicking your fucking ass. Oh, my God, these jobs. Oh, my God, some people. It's just you read these articles about young urban professionals. and I think that unless you live in Manhattan or some inner city, uh that is not a reality for most people. Most people have to go work retail. Most people have to go work as a nurse or, or some medical profession or something of that nature. It's either medical, retail, or service jobs. These this idea that you're gonna have this like yuppie lifestyle with this yuppie young urban professional and you're gonna live in the city and you're gonna, you know, go down to Soho on the weekends and eat sandwiches, like That's a fucking pipe dream. Mm -hmm. I mean, get used... Like, if you want kids, you better sniff some poopy diapers and hope that it doesn't make you gag. I mean, you know that... you Like, the shows, like, the the prisoners that take these youths, these troubled youths, and they send them down to the prison, and then all the Mm -hmm. prisoners scare them half to death with their stories? Mm -hmm. That's what I think young parents need. I think that's what young love needs, is reality checks. Because yeah. they're so in love, they're so young, and they're so fucking dumb, so naive, and um, and it's like you and I. We don't hold each other to these like perfect standards. I wake up and you smell my bad breath, and I smell your bad breath every day, and yet we're still together. <laughs> yeah, that's love, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and the air purifier. yeah thank god for the (laughs) air (laughs) purifier gets rid of all the fart and bad breath smells (laughs) oh my god but uh what is your final advice for men and women in their 20s and 30s that have been heartbroken looking for love trying to find um their soulmate uh is there such a thing and uh what should we what can you tell people when you're entering a relationship what are the signs that this might not be the one
1: I think the biggest sign is if you're just being yourself and somebody's trying to change you, if it's not like some horrible thing that should be changed. Yeah. Like and I also have it.
0: Yeah. And we've talked about gaslighting. Stay away from toxic people. Stay away from gaslighters. Anyone who mocks your version of reality is a gaslighter. Or you. And yeah. more than likely is going to have some kind of dark triad trait of narcissism or sociopathy
1: yeah <clears throat> absolutely so just yeah it you have to be with someone that lets you be yourself yeah and i'd say trust your gut even if your heart is telling you something different
0: yeah because yeah
1: a lot of times that's
0: and what are some telltale signs that you're with the wrong man or when you're with the wrong lady
1: <clears throat> well, like I said, if you're, you're just being yourself, if they're trying to change you too much, if they're constantly putting you down, yes. if they're doing things that you just fundamentally don't agree with or don't like, yeah. that's kind of a sign a, that you're not going to work together.
0: Yeah, and if you... Notice how you argue. I mean, we've had a couple dragged down bashes, and I was trying to tell you that, babe, this is normal. Like, when you get into a bad mood and you start to argue... It's not good if it keeps happening. Thankfully, we've only been in a handful in our 13, 14 years. But um, we've had four or five pretty good arguments. And um, it's not fun. And it's not pleasant. And um, notice the difference between people who argue who don't want to argue and people who argue because they love it. Mm -hmm. Some people just love to fucking argue.
1: And the drama. And And they love the drama. And and they
0: they gobble that shit up. So if you find yourself with a person that just seems to love and eat up drama and arguing, get away from them. Yeah. You know, that's like that whole Amber Heard thing with Johnny Depp. She's just mm-hmm. looking for a fight. Yeah. Some people have just got mental health problems and they think their partner is their fucking counselor. And it's yeah. like, while you should try to help each other, um, <clears throat> it seemed to me like she was in a perpetual state of unrest. And that, yeah. you can't you can't be someone's caretaker. Yeah,
1: and if you're unhappy more than you're happy, some people just think, "Oh, it's it, a relationships work, and it's going to be miserable, <clears> and it's going to be sad sometimes." But yeah. if that's the the majority of what it is, you're right, it's not.
0: Well, I definitely think that if one person wants marriage and the other one doesn't, and they're firm on that, that might be a telltale sign. If one person is adamant about being religious and the other isn't or the other one's adamant about uh, kids and the other one isn't, um, those could be deal-breakers right away. Those are the big ones. Those yeah, are avoidable, mm-hmm. where it's like, you knew my position, you know. Yeah. Um, a lot of people think that they can... And, and what about relationships where people argue a lot, and then they think the marriage is going to... Or the, having kids or having a marriage... In an unhealthy, broken-down relationship, somehow that's going to repair all their yeah. problems.
1: That's, I think that's a very common thing, and they, I it happens a lot. Yeah. I don't understand it. I don't either.
0: Like just, you're, you, you can't even function work. on diet soda, but now you're going to try to function on yeah. full-flavored yeah. soda. Yeah, Adding full-flavored marriage the and the a child, right? Not, yeah.
1: not a good idea.
0: I know. No. I, it just I, I see people trying to salvage their broken relationships with marriage or by having kids, and they it's like. Oh my God! You just fucking added gasoline to the fire. Yeah,
1: I know. <laughs> I don't understand. That. And
0: yet, it's so common. What because do you think that is? I think it's probably,
1: possibly societal.
0: Yeah, pressure. You know,
1: you hear this whole oh, marriage is well. Once ticket, you have kids, it'll all fall into place. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's a lot of society, and it's yeah, just, that's true. It's not. It's kind of old-fashioned.
0: It really it is. is.
1: It's very old-fashioned, It is, and,
0: and uh, it doesn't work, unfortunately.
1: No, uh, it didn't what work would you, then. It doesn't work now.
0: Yeah. What do you think is the main characteristic of compatibility between partners, whether it's male-male, female-female, or male-female?
1: I think <clears throat> respect is a huge one.
0: Yes. Uh,
1: the respect to let a person be who they are and yes. like what they like. Right. And... Friendship is so important. Friendship. The sense of humor. Friendship is, so is everything. Important. Yeah.
0: In fact, I would say the friendship part of is the glue and the fabric of our whole relationship. Everything else pales in comparison to the friendship because yeah. I think lovers don't respect each other. Friends do. There's a difference there.
1: Yeah.
0: You can love Definitely. your lover, but you not, might not necessarily respect your lover. Mm-hmm. Friends who can talk about farts and boogers. And (laughs) real life ugly things. Yeah. Introduce that shit to your life. That's real life. That's real life. If you can't, if you have to avoid the touchy subjects, chances are one of them, one of the persons in that relationship is probably hiding something or something is a touchy subject for them. Um, But at Mm -hmm. the end of the day, it means they have a hang up. And that hang up might be a telltale sign later on that's going to turn into a full blown. life difference that is just going to become a deal breaker. Yeah. Um, really. Yeah. At the end of the day, I mean, I wanted to put on this episode because I see so many people out there who gravitate towards, oh, relationship advice. Um, do I know everything about relationships? No. Um, I was an unconventional, unconventional guy. I got lucky in the looks department. I got lucky in the physicality department. Um, but then I don't like shitty go-nowhere jobs. So you've had to deal with me trying to live this unconventional life. And I'm, it's not, you know, because a lot of people think that's uh, trying to avoid your responsibilities. They don't realize that you're living up to your responsibilities. I could very easily get a lazy, no, nothing job at Target. I want to step into something real. I've done all these things. I've got all this experience. And um, I don't think the world really is uh, providing uh, overachievers an abundance of options when it comes to uh, really finding their heart and soul. No. You know what I mean?
1: No. Everything's just still geared toward conventionality. Yeah. Doing things how they've always been
0: done. And they want men to step into the roles as... Work Air bees and they want women to step into the roles of mother and homemaker, and that's still and if, very much a traditional family. And
1: some people that works for. Well, and, and if it great. works, if it, it works. works it's fine. You, yeah, yeah. Great, yeah. but try to find what works for you.
0: Well, it's like um, I had a Scottish pen pal back in the 2000s, and uh, she told me how common it is to live with your parents. Over there mm-hmm. and the reason being is that um, living in places that are expensive, uh, uh, living with third generation uh, your grandparents was very very common living with your folks very very common and you share and pool the resources and that's kind of like what we do here now. I get to keep my eye on you and my mom, the two people the two ladies in my life that I love most, while it has its privacy downsides and etc, I'm not always worried about my mom tripping and falling and help. I I fall and I can't get up. And then life alert. and then I am
1: with my parents. Yeah. However many miles away. Right.
0: Well, that's why we've been trying to get them up here all this time. And they ain't having it. No. I know. Um, Yeah. At the end of the day, I mean, um, everybody wants uh, a man who works, who, who, who's responsible, who's uh, determined. Uh, uh, but we're living in a society that's unconventional. And uh, conventional wisdom would have you believe that uh, <clears throat> there's only one way to skin a cat. And uh, But I'm here to tell you that uh, there's a million different ways in which some, you've, somebody can prove their vitality and worth uh, that's unconventional. And we have to get used to the idea now that some people are in gay relationships. Get used to it. Some people, the mom works and the dad stays home. Get used to it. Some people live with their uh, folks to take an, keep an eye on older folks because their faculties aren't all there. And um, at the end of the day, I mean, it just feels like all these people who claim to be so woke, so intelligent, so sophisticated, can't seem to understand how to break out of conventionality mm-hmm. yeah you know what i'm saying yeah so if we're really going to call ourselves forward thinking or really going to call ourselves um progressive we really have to understand that there's a million different configurations that work for some people yeah That's how do you fun. feel because the only my only exception polygamy not into it i don't believe we're as evolved as we think we are Petty jealousies always yeah, break up relationships. I've
1: seen, I've seen both.
0: But did there's it work out in the well, end? There's literally...
1: there's, a, <laughs> there's
0: a, I'm not against them. I'm just yeah, saying I don't think they work I, in the end. that
1: I follow on Instagram. It's mm-hmm. a woman, woman and two men. And there's a kid involved. And yeah. Years. <laughs> and they're great. And one of my friends here knows... Uh, knows it's two couples yeah. that are basically a whole family. Yeah. They've got kids intermixed with wow. the couples and they're they're perfectly happy. Well, they're literally I like, do believe make, some people it, can make it work. Well, it's my not point, for
0: everybody. I'm not saying I'm against it. Yeah. I'm only saying that rarely does it work. I yeah. think it takes a very very mature, very very um, unique set of circumstances for people not to have petty differences and petty jealousies crop up because yeah. there's that favoritism that would happen it's,
1: from what i've read or sexual, what I've talked with people sexual, it's, just, um, it's, it's constant it's constant communication because if people go into it not communicating right or one person right. not on the fence about it one person not yes. but yeah like my friend told me this, these two couples that she know and they literally each have like both the women have a baby need they honestly don't know which of the men it is right they've propose to each other like they're like it there's like a double marriage like she said it it's amazing how well they make it work
0: i have an admission you want to hear something what's that when i was in the army i think you probably know everything about me but when i was in the (laughs) army i was dating this girl and um one day she tells me hey i got some big news to tell you and i i need to tell you this okay um i'm married so i'm thinking we're breaking up uh-huh. Oh, fuck. We got to call this off. My husband just graduated from, um, this was before I went to, 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 to um, airborne school. Uh, he's, he's, he's graduating airborne school. and He's going to come and meet you. He came. He was <laughs> lovely. He gave me permission to fuck his wife. Right. Yeah. We got along. And- we, we hung out the whole night. And then um, they had relations while they were, he, he was here. And then we picked up the relationship when he was gone. And I only did it because I liked her. And had it been purely sexual, I would have broken it off right then and there. hmm uh, And he was so nice. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I wouldn't put go into that situation again. Mm-hmm. Um, And then eventually I I ended up graduating and moving off, and that was it anyways. It was the last I ever saw of her. And I think there was a temporariness to that, and I knew that. Um, But, yeah, while it was happening, I mean, you know, I was in a polyamorous relationship. Yeah,
1: and that's the thing. I I wouldn't be able to do it personally. Yeah. But if it works for you, more power to you. Well, the reason why I
0: wasn't jealous is because once he told me, I was like, Already sort of eyeballing other people, I was like, I knew this relationship was going to end when I finished training. Mm-hmm. I think there was an end date, an end goal in mind, yeah. and I already knew that I cared about her. I already knew that I was going to miss her, but I already knew that it, what was going to happen, how it was going to end. Yeah. I was going to get on an airplane never see her again, and yeah. that was going to be that. Mm-hmm. We didn't even talk afterward. We yeah. didn't even call each other afterward. Yeah. That was it. So, yeah. And um, I don't know. She was nice, but... They're probably still married to this day. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head, babe, that at the end of the day, um, your partner has to be your best friend. And so if you have a a man in your life, for example, who's overly macho and only hangs with his dude bros and can't think of his wife as a friend, you might have a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, If you have a woman who uh, thinks as all males as being toxic man... You know, I'm all for an alternative relationship. But when we become all so woke that we can't allow men and women in traditional relationships to thrive, it's like, no, we're not doing it to be regressive. We're doing it because we're heterosexual. If you want to enter into a homosexual relationship, by all means, please do so.
1: People just need to do what works for them. Do what works for you. Yeah. That's
0: right. That's right. It's not about being... A, you know, like, oh, we're we're perpetuating traditional families. No, I just happen to like women. That's, I, that's just how just, I'm geared. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know. Um, do you think you ever could have been gay? Do you think you ever could have entered into, and have you ever entered into a gay relationship?
1: I have not. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I can't say that I don't look at a beautiful woman and say, oh, wow, she's hot. She's well, pretty, I can see a good-looking
0: guy, but honestly, the, the thought of laying with him grosses me out. Yeah. Not because I have anything against guys being with guys. By all means, go for it. Yeah. For that's me, right. I, I don't see men sexually. Mm-hmm. I can go, wow, that's a good-looking guy. Yeah. <clears throat> but doesn't mean I want to fuck him. And that's, I yeah, can look and at a beautiful totally woman. Me too. Sometimes it makes me want to fuck her, but... I mean, and that's the one thing I think we should end on, honestly, is... Um, Our relationship is so carefree, we're silly hearts, and there's no petty jealousies. I think that's what makes it work, is we're not jealous, and we have a trust bond that is just airtight. And how do you develop that trust? Because we've both been cheated on. We've both been with people who are dishonest with us. What is it that's different about us that um, just we never think we're going to, have to worry about that kind of thing
1: i think it's just because we're who we are Mm -hmm. you're you and i'm me and we both have integrity and integrity yeah just and yeah like you said it's kind of weird that we can trust each other so implicitly because we both have dealt with infidelity well yeah you remember that
0: crazy biatch and and i'm excuse me i'm not calling her that to be misogynist but she is an unhinged person Mm -hmm. and and by the way point of clarity when I call someone crazy, we are a mental health resource. I am not talking about people with mental health woes. I am talking about unhinged lunatics who are intentionally being unhinged because they prefer it. Yeah, That's what I mean by crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but that girl saying that I was flirting with her, you didn't bat an eye. And you knew I wouldn't be attracted to her. Why is that?
1: Because I know you and I <laughs> know you. her enough. Yeah. And well, yeah, and that's the thing. We give the we give each other the freedom like I know you're human. You know I'm yeah. human. If some if a, a beautiful person walks by, yeah, I'm not gonna get all jealous and tell you you can't look because right. Well it's like chances are I'm looking too.
0: Well yeah I let you look at men, you let me look at women, uh, it helps us fuck each other better and and the truth is is that we're married not dead and um those impulses those sexual urges are um a part of an uh, being alive and and so long as you don't act upon those impulses with regularity um i think being attracted to other people sure it's there you know it's masturbatory fantasy it's well, uh, spank bank stuff you take out on your yeah. partner later on. And
1: I think that's another big you know, red flag, is that if you really don't trust a person enough, yeah. then maybe they're not the person for you.
0: Yeah, well and what do you think about people that are like really insecure and very jealous types? I've been with those types.
1: I think they need And you've been with those types. Yeah, I think they need to work on themselves. Yeah, what do you think that insecurity is at
0: the end of the day?
1: I think it just lies within yourself. Mm-hmm. And you need to get to a point where you're secure enough with yourself yeah. that you trust that someone. Or maybe they
0: were in a traumatic or bad relationship before you.
1: you have to get to a point where you trust enough in yourself and you trust enough in your partner and it takes work. And sometimes you might not ever get there and you have to work on not being jealous and realize who the person you're with, who they are and what
0: Mm -hmm. they are.
1: And it's, yeah, it's work on yourself.
0: I mean, yeah, Yeah, no, I mean, at the end of the day, if you can't live happily with yourself, chances are you aren't going to live happily with someone else. And people in a life flux, whether it be mental health problems or whether it be job or career issues or school, um, you got to work on yourself before you can succeed with someone else. And I think the only reason why you and I work is because we met when we were a little bit older, we went through Absolutely. careerism. We went through other relationships. Um, yeah, and what am I going to do? Get, get uh, mad because you had another penis in you?
1: Yeah. Everyone's had people, somebody yeah, else's parts. A and, lot of people uh, are like that. Yeah, I think I you can't be looking for someone to complete you. You have to look for someone that's going to compliment
0: well, you. Well, and- men, get over it. Other guys have bigger dicks out there. Women. Get over it. There are more beautiful women out there with tighter vaginas than you. Sorry. And we're yeah. going to all have to learn to live with that. And, and I mean that with no disrespect. I mean to say that um, if you have a man that's looking to cheat on you, that's different than a man who's just like, ooh, oogling over at women. Yeah. You know, I'm driving down the road and a woman's titties are bouncing around. Sorry. I'm going to look. I'm wearing sunglasses. I'm looking. you know, too. And you're looking, too. And then we comment. Wow, yeah, look at those exactly. titties. <laughs> yeah.
1: Wait. And I think we were both at the point where I, you know, I wanted to meet someone, but if I hadn't, I yeah. would have been okay. Right. Me, too. Me too. at a Me point too. where I was okay with myself. I would
0: have been fine with myself, too. And yeah. I wasn't looking to fix myself in a relationship. I was looking... You know, remember a few years ago when I got a gym membership because I was looking to force myself outside more um, because I work from home and because I don't have enough friends here because we moved here and I was trying. Well, the first time I worked out, I hurt myself, went to the ER and And then then had to wiggle out of my gym membership (laughs) because COVID happens. And I told you that was going to be a breakout year. Yeah. Not so much.
1: I think a lot of people said that. And
0: then Yeah. And then things happen. But my point is, is that, um, you know, you know yourself. If you know you're the kind of person that doesn't want to go out to the gym, just don't do it. And now I'm like, Oh, I got a gym at home. Why would I want to use sweaty used equipment when I can sit here and do it for free? Um, But my point is, is that I love being married because you're my best friend. You're my confidant. You're my, we trade stories. We're silly together. We're serious together. When we need to be partners, we step up and we talk about finances. We talk about insecurities. We talk about job stuff. We talk about what we want and what we don't want. And while my life is far from perfect, um, I appreciate the fact that you, you see my good intentions and you know, despite what's going on, uh, we work together well because I, I think all relationships there's you're dating three per people. You're dating a lover. You're dating a partner and you're dating a friend. You see the difference there? See the mm-hmm. distinction? Oh, yeah. The friend has to be there emotionally for you, has to have mutual love and respect Uh, The partner is the finances, the family, the logistics of living together. And then uh, the lover is, uh, you know, the horizontal boom bop. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But you have your whenever you're with one person, you have to have all three of those things. Friend, lover, partner. And you have to get them all ironed out. Whatever your, Mm -hmm. no matter how unconventional your relationship is, at the end of the day, you have to be a friend, you have to be a lover, and you have to be a partner. And um, I think that's what we should end on, because I nailed it. (laughs) you did right i I absolutely (laughs) nailed it (laughs) i'm proud of myself i feel so good no (laughs) i'm kidding um but yeah no i mean but relationships are hard and i'm glad i'm not in it especially in the year 2022 especially in my 40s oh my god i have enough problems um so i i i really we're doing this today because we wanted you guys to see that relationships are weird relationships have boundless uh, uh, chaos and problems because love, it's like passion. Passion is a saloon door. It goes way, way to love. It goes way, way over to hate. And when you're passionate about someone, you love them. Uh, you love them so much, you want to bury them in the backyard sometimes. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that's what love is. Love will make you crazy. And, uh, you know, uh, people be crazy so i don't envy you guys who are looking for love but at at the end of the day i mean what it boils down to is that you have to let people be people your partner has a wealth of experience before you and when you decide to come together in a union of some sorts you have to realize that yes they've probably seen a penis before you yes they've probably seen a vagina before you yes They've had other men in their lives, other women in their lives, and at the end of the day, good grief. You know, if you're so insecure that you can't deal with the the, the, the notion that somebody else existed before you, well, yeah. grow the fuck up. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, and really, it boils down to friendship and trust. Friendship, trust, respect, and um, having fun together. And we've Absolutely. talked about our differences. We've talked about our past. We've talked about... Hey, we'd like to change this. Hey, we'd like to change that. That's what a partnership is. You're a friend. You're a partner. You're a lover. You work out the finances. You work out the logistics. You work out the love. And, uh, you know, love ain't sexy always. And that's the thing. You kind of have to move beyond all that. And that is why fantasy is so important. And that's why I let you fantasize and you let me fantasize. Because at the end of the day, we're not looking to cheat. We're just, our biological bodies still want to, they have the impetus to fuck. That's what sex drive (laughs) is. Um, And and just because you see someone, you know, like I've said, I've told you, I see some of these women out there in their bikinis, and there are a lot of sexy ladies out there, but I wouldn't want to sit and talk with them. (laughs) (laughs) Good grief, no, because people be crazy, and... You got to meet people that are your style. And you got to meet people that are on your level. And, uh, you know, uh, those women have beautiful bodies, but um, oh, good grief. That would be disastrous. Pretty much. And I hope those girls grow up and grow out of that TikToky fucking narcissism shit. I don't know if that's them trying to empower themselves or them trying to get into modeling, but whatever the case might be, I, it's, I have nothing against them as women. They're beautiful. And sure, it's not hard to make a man get an erection. Sorry. Oh, wow. Well, look at those titties. Look at those. Yes, it's easy. The point is women, 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 women. It's easy to get a man hard. It's harder to get a man to want to get a job and get a life and get a house with you. Mm -hmm. So know the difference. Yeah. Any last advice, baby?
1: I think I already said it. So no. (laughs) All
0: right. (laughs) Well, thank you guys so very much. Um, Yeah, we're, you know, we are trying to make this show good for our soul, good for your soul. We are trying to do good work here. Um, But the grind, man, the mechanics of growth, the mechanics of trying to uh, get paid. Oh, good grief. Um, This is just the start for me. I am going to be putting out books and comedy albums. I am uh, putting out a cookbook. I am going to be doing a YouTube channel with all kinds of fun things just for fun. Um, but becoming a public figure, man, whoo wee. If any, you know, it, it's a lot of work. Um, it's very unconventional. Um, and trying to get folks to help you is like trying to fucking, uh, pull a Chevy with your penis. It's, it's just hard. It's just hard to get people to care. Hard to get people to believe in what you're doing. And you guys, our singular mission is to help people. Find joy and love and humor in their life. To uh, uh, you know, get rid of the stigma of mental health woes. Get rid of the stigma of relationship woes. Get rid of the stigma of all these problems in our world. And to you know, uh, you know, break down barriers. Talk about this stuff. You know, the the single biggest thing I learned from so far from Sad Guru from the previous episode is that he tells you. You know, we have all these things we assign good and bad. All these barriers we put up. All these lines we won't cross. At the end of the day, when you look at a map, there are no borders. These, these are concepts. And when you get rid of the concepts of man versus woman, good versus bad, yes, there's going to be bad people out there. and You've got to avoid those things. But at the end of the day, what he's trying to say is is that have a mentality that endures by being open-minded, by being thoughtful, and by giving respect and getting respect. There's a reciprocity. And that challenge your lines. Challenge those lines. Challenge your trigger lines. Challenge your threshold of what you... Uh, think you know and what you think you don't what you don't know i mean at the end of the day lines and borders are meant to be crossed and when you cross those borders you grow and you learn and you expand to new horizons and you know it's like the new frontier we thought ohio was as far east as it got and we kept going past the mountains and realized oh shit there's a whole fucking another thousand miles of stuff and then we got to the west coast ah okay okay Now we're on the other side. So the great frontier in your own life should be to venture forward in ways that you uh, challenge yourself. Um, That doesn't mean make your life miserable or uncomfortable. It means challenge what you think you know, challenge your lines of uh, your fear factor, challenge uh, your comfort zone, and challenge yourself to think outside of what you usually think. And uh, you might just find that... uh, You can go much, 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 much more further than you really thought possible. Physically, mentally, emotionally. Uh, At the end of the day, there are no limits other than what we set for ourselves. You know, when I'm running on the treadmill, I'm like, I can't run more than three miles. And then I run four miles, and then five miles, and then sometimes seven miles. And so long as I have an idea of where I'm going to stop, I can make it to 10 miles. And I tell myself, after 10 miles, you can collapse. You can eat chili dogs. You can drink a beer. You can do whatever. But you've got to get to that 7, 10 miles or whatever I set. When you set boundaries to not, you know, set your boundaries further than you think you can go, if you can't make it, well, keep trying. But at the end of the day, what it boils down to is that we set our own limits and, um, Only our own uh, strength and determination, tenacity, can make us realize that we can go a lot further than we think we can. And um, that doesn't mean deteriorate your health or deteriorate your sleep or deteriorate your life. It means you might be able to balance careerism and family life and relationships a lot better than you think if you just reframe your thoughts, you know. That's what it's all about. Anything else for us, baby?
1: Nothing except if you told me in 1998 when I was going through my first breakup that God, 24 years later, yeah. <laughs> talking about a 14 year relationship and I, know. I was all Jane Austen, like, Oh, I'm never going to love again. No one's gonna love <laughs> right? Me. I know. I'm never going to get past four and a half years.
0: I know. Um, yeah. I know. If, me if too. I knew
1: then what I know now. Well, yeah,
0: I mean, and, and, it comes with maturity, it comes with age, it comes with knowing thyself, and it comes with, like I said, getting very used to poopy diapers and talking about love, talking about sex. You know, my point is, is um, love ain't always sexy, and you have to get used to that. It can be sexy, but my point is, is that don't put your standards up too, too high. You may just find that... Um, The love of your life is standing right in front of you and you don't even know it. Yep. It's possible. You know what I mean? Yep. Anyways, thank you so much, babe. Please tell the folks where they can find you on Instagram. Spooky, nerdy gal. Yes, ma'am. And I am at Facebook, Chef Bright Comedy. Twitter, Chef Bright Comedy. Instagram. What's it called? (laughs) Instagram. (laughs) surviving.empathy.podcast we are here for you we are here to help and we will be back next time you guys come on over to our tip jar come on over to our Patreon we are going to be putting out paranormal videos for you guys and October is coming we are going to get paranormal crazy y'all so don't even sweat it don't don't even front spooky time spooky time for us hashtag spooky life for life so thank you baby Thank you, guys. We will see you next time. We will see you next week. Have a good one. Bye-bye.
1: Bye.